I'd like to read you a line from the Torah today that should make you question what you think you know about the Torah. This morning in Vayelech, we read in, ver in chapter 31, verse 22, On that day, Moses wrote down this poem, and then he taught it to the Israelites. Now, for those of you who think that Moses received the entire Torah at Sinai, why does he have to write it down today? Didn't he write it down when he was on the mountain? But there is a problem with the idea that Moshe received the entire Torah at Sinai. A problem that our sages were aware of, which is, imagine for a moment that Moshe goes up to the mountain and the Kaddish Baruch Hu, God, tells him everything that is written in the Torah. What does Moshe now know? In many years, he's going to hit a rock and God's not going to let him go into the land of Israel. Now, if you were Moshe, would you still hit that rock? No, you wouldn't. He knows that Korach is going to rebel against him. If you were Moshe, would you let Korach rebel if you knew in advance he was going to rebel? No, you wouldn't. So either Moshe knew everything and was playing a role, or Moshe didn't write everything down at Sinai. Ramban Nachmanides, the great Spanish sage, said, Moshe wrote everything up to that moment, up to the laws of the Mishkan, the tabernacle at Sinai, and the rest of it wrote at the end of the journey, which makes a lot of sense. The Talmud itself says the very last verses of the Torah, where Moshe dies and it says there's no prophet like Moshe, it has two versions of how that was written. One is Moshe wrote it at the end of his life with tears in his eyes, and the other is that Joshua wrote it after Moshe died. But either way, it does not make sense that Moshe wrote the whole future of the Torah up at Sinai. It makes much more sense the way Ramban puts it, that Moshe wrote it at the end, and this verse is the verse that tells you that that must be so, because it says, by Yom Hahu, on that day, and this is the end of the journey, Moshe wrote this. Now, why do I bring that up, and especially why do I bring it up today? There are two things that we learn from this. Well, probably more, but there are two things that we are going to learn from this this morning. One is nobody, nobody, not even Moshe Rabbeinu, can predict the future. In fact, now we've done all sorts of studies of pundits who predict the future in economics, in sports, in politics, probably in religion. And even the greatest experts in all these areas have no better than a 50-50% chance of getting it right. Harvard Business School did a comprehensive study of all these pundits predicting the future, and at the end of the study they say, a chimp throwing darts at a dartboard has as good a chance of guessing the future as all these experts. The second lesson is why we can't guess the future. The reason we can't guess the future is because we shape it, all of us. 
and I don't know what you're going to do. I can guess, but I don't know. These two things are really important every single day of our lives, but especially today, because today, two things come together at the same time. It is both Shabbat Shuvah, it is the Shabbat of repentance, and it is also the 20th anniversary of 9-11. 9-11 is one of those things that no one could have known was going to happen. And the aftermath, no one could have known what would happen. And that assertion, which I'll come back to in a moment, is also crucial for Shabbat Shuvah. You might think you know what someone else is like. You might think you know what you're like. And yet, Teshuvah means others can surprise you and you can surprise yourself. How many times in your life have you said, look, that's something I'm never going to do. And then, years later, you do it. I will never be interested in this. And all of a sudden, you're interested. You grow up and you say, one thing I really don't care about is that, and then all of a sudden you have a child and they care about that, so you've got to care about it. We surprise ourselves, which is a beautiful thing, and that's part of what tshuva is about. Last week we read, lo bashamayimhi, that the Torah is not far away from you. That means everybody can do tshuva, not just people in the Torah. And what is true for a people is also true for a nation. You hear all the time all the terrible things that America is doing or will do or has done, and I don't care right, left, whichever side you think is the bad side, all the terrible things, but we've heard this before. And we have endless and amazing resources in this country, and nobody's written the last word. I mean, if you lived in ancient times and you saw all these mighty, giant empires and then you saw this tiny band of people on the banks of the Jordan, none of us would have said, you know what, all those empires are going to disappear, but that tiny, that tiny group, they're going to be around 3,500 years from now. The future is unpredictable because the human soul is unpredictable. And one of the things that we mourn this day is the loss of all those unpredictable souls in that tragedy. And our obligation to make ourselves and our country better, in part, in their memory. I remember being in this sanctuary 20 years ago right after 9-11. I remember that Shabbat service. This place was more full than it is on Yom Kippur, pre-pandemic. The place was absolutely bursting with people because at a time of tragedy, we felt like we needed one another. And I remembered yesterday, and so I printed it out, I remembered that I closed the sermon with a poem. And I thought, now 20 years later, 
when we still remember, when we still grieve, when the world has changed so much in part because of that, I wanted both in honor of those who've died and also for those whose lives were so deeply affected, the families, the workers, the frontline workers who have suffered diseases in the intervening years, all of those whose lives were so powerfully affected and wounded by that moment, I wanted to read it to you again. It's called Dirge Without Music, and it's by Edna St. Vincent Millay, an American poet. I am not resigned to the shutting away of loving hearts in the hard ground. So it is and so it will be, for so it has been time out of mind. Into the darkness they grow, go, the wise and the lovely. Crowned with lilies and laurels they go, but I am not resigned. Lovers and thinkers into the earth with you. Be one with the dull, the indiscriminate dust, a fragment of what you felt, of what you knew. A formula, a phrase remains, but the best is lost. The answers quick and keen, the honest look, the laughter, the love, they are gone. They are gone to feed the roses. Elegant and curled is the blossom. Fragrant is the blossom. I know, but I do not approve. More precious was the light in your eyes than all the roses in the world. Down, down into the darkness of the grave, gently they go. The beautiful, the tender, the kind, quietly they go the intelligent, the witty, the brave, I know, but I do not approve, and I am not resigned. Twenty years ago, we lost wonderful people, when we should not be resigned to their loss. And part of shuvah, part of repentance, is rededicating ourselves to what is best, not only in our tradition, but in our nation. Later on, we're going to conclude the service with God Bless America, but I think now it would be appropriate to conclude the sermon by asking you to stand and recite with me the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please be seated.